how often do you look at someone and they look okay and they're smiling and they have great fashion sense and their hair is perfect and their makeup's on point and you think they've got it all together. They're perfectly happy. They're perfectly healthy. I'm raising my hand. I'm that person. Because sometimes when I look at someone's exterior, I immediately just assume they're perfectly fine. Well, the conversation I'm having today with Victoria Pickett is indicative of that judgment. She's bringing that to the table. It's something that we all do. We have ignorance when it comes to invisible illnesses. And she shares her conditions She's faced two health conditions in her youth, POTS, P-O-T-S, and EDS, that she developed at a young age, which made her courageous, resilient, and passionate in so many different areas, but they were invisible. People didn't see them. So she had to face that and overcome that very junior part of her life. Well, now she's a queen. (laughs) She's Miss Pennsylvania, USA, 2020. And everyone thinks that she's just got it all together, but she had to overcome and face those challenges. And I absolutely adore and love this honest conversation that we share today. She is the president of her own fashion company, White Elephant Boutique. In four years, her company has grown from an online business to multiple storefronts with 20 employees. She's a classically trained opera singer. She's won national and international awards. She's been honored at the Pennsylvania House of Representatives as Pittsburgh's 50 finest for her charitable efforts. She is more than just a queen. She is truly an angel. And I absolutely adore this woman. I hope that you will open your eyes and your hearts to this conversation and get to know this incredible woman. Here's my conversation with Victoria Pickett, Miss USA, to be hopeful come November and your current Miss Pennsylvania 2020. You're listening to Misunderstood Podcast, where we're setting the record straight on all things misunderstood. I'm your host, Kelly Hall, pageant runner-up, model, speaker, entrepreneur, pageant queen, and U.S. Navy lieutenant. I may have never won a Miss USA title, but I am the queen of being misunderstood. Welcome to the show, guys. And welcome to the show. We have Miss Pennsylvania USA 2020, Victoria Pickett, not Pikett, like I uh, misunderstandably said, um, on the show. I'm so excited to have you. How many people have said your name wrong in your entire life? More than I could count. I would probably be rich. I've heard so many different things. I've heard high cut, puke it. I mean, just all across the board. (laughs) That's terrible. My last name's Hall. So I've never had to worry about that in a million years. Like no one's ever gotten all wrong. Yeah, I know. I can't imagine through like the Miss USA process, like <laughs> the stress of going to the competition and then like live on TV, they, they get your last name wrong. So I was stressed about that before the pod. Oh, I know. It's always a worry. I always say Victoria Pickett like the fence. 
and they go, oh, okay, picket fence, got it. Well, no one is going to get your name wrong now. So <laughs> you are the reigning Miss Pennsylvania USA for almost a year now, which is so crazy. It's been the longest year for you. I can't imagine. Oh my gosh. We actually just announced that the Pennsylvania pageant is going to take place in May of 2021. So I'll really have a year and a half long reign as Miss Pennsylvania USA unprecedented folks. I know no one can see my face, but I just am like, that is so long. I mean, normally you reign for a year max, maybe a month more or maybe a month less, but it's usually always about a year. And then you pass off your crown to someone else because it's a really long, arduous year of, you know, community service and things and projects. I mean, tell us what it's been like so far. Honestly, the first three months of my reign were an absolute whirlwind. I won November 3rd of 2019. And really, I just hit the ground running from there. And all of November, December, January, and February, I was going constantly. Every single week, every weekend, I was traveling, traveling to different states. I went to Indiana, Atlanta, Georgia, New York City, all across Pennsylvania, like every single weekend. <laughs> it was <laughs> absolutely crazy. And throughout the week, I was doing interviews, appearances locally, and it was so much fun. Oh, and I even went to DC. I was just, it was crazy. And then everything kind of went to a halt in March because of COVID. And, you know, nobody really saw that coming. In some ways, not that COVID is a blessing by any stretch of the imagination, but I did enjoy getting that time during quarantine to kind of decompress and relax because those four months I was going nonstop trying to do everything that I could and prep for Miss USA. I was getting a little bit worn out, even though the opportunities were so amazing. So I was kind of relieved a little bit that I could take some time and slow down for a little while. And ever since March, really everything's been virtual. I've only done maybe one or two appearances in person since. So it's always fun whenever I get to put my crown and sash on again, because I don't really get to do that that much anymore. So it's definitely not been the year that I imagined, but I am very thankful that we are still having Miss USA, that it didn't really get too pushed back. And even though there's going to be a lot of differences now with COVID, I'm just really excited that they still had the decision or made the decision to have the pageant. Wow, that's so insane. So listeners want to know, I always want to know, I mean, what got you involved to begin with in pageantry? Why did you start competing in the Miss USA system? Well, I started in pageantry for a different reason than starting in the Miss USA system, because I actually started competing in pageantry at 16 years old. I started in the system National American Miss, and I finally, after three years of begging my mom to let me compete, she finally let me because I was a classically trained opera singer, and that's what I was pursuing in college at the time. And I really didn't have much on my performance resume to apply to music schools. And whenever I had heard about National American Miss, I got their letters in the mail. I saw that they had a talent competition. So how I pitched it to my mom was I said, hey, how great would it look on my college applications if I got to say that I placed or even won this statewide talent competition at this pageant? And so she was finally like, oh, okay, like, I guess we'll give it a try. And whenever I went there, I competed 
It was 2012, and it was for National American Miss Pennsylvania Junior Team. And I was 16 at the time. I competed in obviously the main pageant and then the talent competition. And I ended up placing third runner up in talent, but first runner up in the overall pageant, which I was not expecting at all. And so whenever that happened, I was floored and it was basically like a fire was lit inside of me because I just loved it so much. I had such an amazing weekend. I met so many girls. I had so much fun. I really learned a lot about myself in the process and I walked away with first runner up. So I was like, okay, I have to do this again. This was nothing like I've ever done before. So I kept coming back and eventually I won my first pageant in 2014. It was the National American Miss Pennsylvania Teen. And so I continued with pageantry, went to nationals, got first runner up there, which was insane to me. It was my first national pageant ever. Long story short, I kept competing in pageantry, but I didn't think that Miss USA would ever really be a reality for me because of the health conditions that I was facing at the time. And being in the Miss USA organization and system, there is a lot that is physically involved with having the state title, but also preparing for the swimsuit competition. And it just wasn't a physical reality for me at the time for what I was going through. Expand on that a little bit, if you will, because I know having been a part of the Miss USA system, I do know it's very, very demanding. You do have to be very committed. But one thing I, I want to encourage a lot of women is that if they are up for it and if they're up for the challenge to pursue something like that, because it is so rewarding, but they need to be aware of how strenuous it is because it is a very strenuous process. So what were some of those challenges that you were facing when you decided to pursue the Miss USA route? So I was diagnosed with two different invisible illnesses. And what an invisible illness is, it's basically that you can't see that somebody is suffering from the outside. They look completely normal, but there's something very seriously wrong with them on the inside. And for me, in 2010, I was diagnosed with the health condition called postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, which is another mouthful. And basically, it is a blood circulation disorder. But five years later... I was finally diagnosed in 2015 with my primary condition of Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which is a connective tissue disorder. So basically, I was born with not a lot of connective tissue. I'm very hypermobile. Joints, ligaments, skin, and blood vessels are very loose. And because of that, that's what causes that blood circulation disorder. And what that looked like for me growing up was not being able to participate in any extracurricular activities any sports, and eventually having a home healthcare nurse come to my house every two weeks to administer IV fluids so that I could continue to function. And the only sense of normalcy that I had throughout that whole entire process was competing in pageants. That was the main reason that my mom was very hesitant about me competing in the first place was because of my health. But I knew that I could push myself for a two, three-day weekend. I would pay for it after. I would have to go to the hospital and get IV fluids to recover. But at the time, I knew that I could push myself for those few days. And to me, it was worth it because I had to, the opportunity to do something fun. Otherwise, I was at home on my couch or in doctor's offices or in hospitals and physical therapy. And so it really gave me a sense of normalcy that I really needed in my life at the time. When did you start realizing that something was different? I mean, 
you said it wasn't until 2010 that you were diagnosed. I mean, that's a significant amount of time for you to be struggling and for people to probably like criticize or kind of be unsure of what you're going through. What were some of the signs and symptoms before you were ever diagnosed? Growing up, I had a lot of different symptoms. I always showed signs. I remember frequently in elementary school being in the nurse's office with headaches and nausea. And at the time you're a kid, everybody kind of thinks that you're making things up or you just want to go home because you want to get out of class. And I did really feel misunderstood because I had these conditions, these symptoms, and you know, you're a kid trying to explain that to people. And as I got older, the conditions kind of progressed. And it wasn't until seventh grade where I really hit a wall. I decided to run track. (laughs) And basically, my body was like, ha, no. And I became very dehydrated. That was one of my main symptoms with my conditions was I just got so dehydrated so quickly. So any form of exercise, any activity or sports, anything that got my heart racing would just propel that quicker and further. And that's why I needed those IV fluids every week or two so that I could, you know, continue to function. And I didn't know that at the time. So when I started to run track, I did not run ever in my life before. I have no idea what came over me that I decided I wanted to run track, but something did. And I lasted maybe, maybe a month, I think maybe three weeks until I was so sick that I became bedridden. And for basically the rest of seventh grade, I spent it in bed. I didn't go to school. And it turned into so many different things because the conditions that I have, the symptoms are so similar to so many other conditions out there. It's incredibly hard to diagnose. And especially when you have two different invisible illnesses at the same time, trying to get those correctly. That's why I went five years without the diagnosis of my primary condition. But I was misdiagnosed in 2009 and treated for a condition that I did not have and almost died as a result because the condition that they were treating me for, they put me in intensive physical therapy. I was an inpatient at the Children's Institute in Pittsburgh for two weeks. And they put me in about eight or nine hours of intensive, hard physical therapy for 14 days straight when people with POTS are exercise intolerant. So I basically had to beg them to let me go home because I was so sick and I just couldn't do it anymore. And I almost died, which was so scary. And that's what's serious about having these. How did you handle this? There were so many doctors that said that I needed to go into therapy. And I was like, why? I'm fine. Like mentally, I'm just chugging along over here. And I would go into these therapy appointments because that's what the doctors really recommended. And the doctors, the therapists were really trying to like help me. But I would just say like, you know, I don't try to focus on being sick because if I did, I would be upset. I would be depressed if I just focused on being sick and all the things that I couldn't do in life. And I said, so I choose to focus on the things that I can do. And so the therapists always sent me home. (laughs) Wait, how old were you? these conversations with yourself? I was like seventh, eighth grade. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Talk about being mentally tough. That is so (laughs) wild. Your parents must be so proud of you for enduring that. I mean, there's so many people who 
are truly victims of their circumstance. And I completely understand it sometimes. Like it's tough. Life is tough. And sometimes you're dealt just incredibly difficult cards. And it's unfair, but, you know, there's people like you who, like, that's an unbelievable story that you and I did not discuss beforehand. I did not know that you were misdiagnosed and you almost died. I'm like mind blown over here, but yet you're still smiling and pursuing all of these things. And you found the one outlet, which was pageantry that like you could pursue. Like maybe you couldn't be the track star runner or you couldn't be the star tennis player or, you know, all of these things, but like you could do a pageant, you could stand on stage and do that. Like that's something that you could do. That is incredible. Victoria. Wow. That is so amazing. That was one thing that I really focused on throughout this whole entire process is I lean heavily into my faith and I always believed that God had a plan for my life. So that focus and that mental clarity for me was what really kept me going knowing that, you know, this is such a huge thing in my life and this is such a horrible thing in my life, but there has to be a reason that I am affected with this in the bigger picture. And I think that was to bring light to invisible illnesses through pageantry because people do sometimes outgrow these invisible illnesses. They're so different depending on the person. Everybody's affected completely differently. And I'm really blessed that now in 2017, I mainly became symptom-free pretty much by a miracle out of nowhere. Wow. Yeah. And that was the reason why I was able to, you know, pursue my ultimate dream of competing in Miss USA. Before that, I mean, I completely wrote it off. I was like, I'll go and support all my friends, but there's no physical way that I could ever take on a title like this. And once I had been symptom-free for a year, in 2018, I was like, you know, there's no reason now why I can't compete. I have to just do this for myself. Even if I don't win, if, if I don't place, it doesn't matter. It's just the fact that I am getting on that that stage at Miss Pennsylvania USA, which I never thought would be in the realm of possibility. Well, you didn't just compete. You won Miss Pennsylvania USA, and now you're going to Miss USA. Shout out to our trainer. You're going with the help of amazing trainers. And I'm so, so grateful for this industry because it's helped shed light on so many things. I've learned so much about platforms and people and That is why I'm so passionate about pageantry. I mean, looking back, I feel like pageantry is kind of in my review mirror because I competed in my last pageant in January. I aged out. I don't have much interest in competing in other systems, but it's more of what pageantry has done for me. That's what has made me so passionate about it. And speaking with you right now, like I didn't know, I didn't know that. Like I had no idea about invisible illnesses. My extent is when it comes to like, invisible would be like mental health issues. And I just see it from like the military perspective and the military, you just get like really criticized unless it's something someone can physically see like members of the military. If, unless you are missing a limb, if you can complain about anything, then people are like, Oh, you're just trying to get out of work. And it's like, no, like I'm, I have a migraine or like I'm dealing with anxiety or I'm dealing with depression. They're like, Oh, sure you are. And I'm like, as someone who ha- has chronic migraines or a dealt with anxiety, like just because I don't have, I'm not missing an arm doesn't mean I'm not like physically going through something. So 
I completely understand, don't understand quite the extent of what she had to go through, but I can understand some of the frustration of the stigma of people just kind of rushing to that judgment and that frustration. How did you handle the criticism from others? What would you say to those who, you know, maybe battling their own sort of invisible illnesses, whether it's mental or physical, whatever it is, what would you have to say to them about dealing with the criticism from others? You're not crazy. (laughs) That was something that I kind of felt sometimes because I faced criticism from my peers, from doctors not believing me. There's so many doctors that I went to that told me I was completely normal and I was fine and it was all in my head. Even administrators at school, there were so many battles we had to fight for me to just even participate in choir. There's just so much struggle and so much that people have to face when there isn't something physical that you can see is wrong. But if you're somebody that is like that, that is struggling, you are not crazy. Trust me. You know yourself. You know your body best. And you need to be your best self-advocate. You need to advocate for what you need in life, what's going to make you better, what's going to make your situation in life better. Because if you aren't your own self-advocate, I mean, who else is going to be there for you to do that? So don't think that you're crazy. But also people that hear of somebody saying that you have an invisible illness, the best thing that you can do to support people is to believe them, you know, believe that what they're saying is true. That is so true. I didn't know what migraines were, but I I knew something was wrong with my body. This was around the age of 21, 22. And I was just getting sick. Like I was getting nausea and I was getting really bad headaches. I didn't know they were migraines, but I was getting headaches. And I had to, I kid you not, I had to see seven Navy doctors before the seventh one believed me. The first six did not believe me. (laughs) They all thought I was just trying to like get off duty or they were like, oh, you ate a bad salad. Like that's why you're having nausea. And I was like, I'm not getting food poisoning twice a week for six months. Like there's something not right that's going on. And then the seventh doctor was like, I think you're getting migraines. And I was like, I don't know what that is, but it sounds like that might be right. And then they referred me to a neurologist finally. But you're right. Like, you're not crazy. That's pretty powerful. I love that. So eventually, like, as you're battling with this and you're dealing with it, it sounds like you came to terms pretty early on with your condition and you were handling it really well. What are some of the things that as you started coming to terms with like your future and what it was going to look like, we spoke earlier on the phone about in college, what you started shaping your future to look like. And one of those things were your business and your future. Can you tell listeners a little bit about this huge silver lining that came from your condition? Because I mean, I got to tell you, this is what like made you stick out to me months and months and months ago is absolutely incredible. And I had no idea that it came as, as such a positive light from your condition. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So in college, I bounced around from university to university because of my health and I kept having setbacks and I had to withdraw and I would try again and be okay for a few months, but then have another setback. And so I was in college for marketing and social media marketing, and I basically came to the conclusion that 
I would never be able to work a nine to five job for somebody else. With my health and all the setbacks I was having, some days I would have great days and be normal. And the next day I'd be flat on my back in bed. You know, that's not something you can really pitch to an employer. (laughs) So I came to the conclusion, I'm going to have to work for myself. I don't see another option. I can't really go and work a nine to five job. What is something that I can do? And I really started to think, and one of the positives that came through pageantry for me was I was really starting to be involved in modeling and really getting a love of fashion. I had the title International Junior Miss Teen for 2015, and I got to travel the country and travel the world. And it was such an exciting year, and I needed clothes constantly, different outfits for different events and appearances, traveling. And girls would offer to buy the clothes off my back because I was finding all these really fun, unique pieces that nobody else was finding. And so I had, I guess, this little niche that I found for myself in fashion. But I started modeling at the Atlanta Apparel Mart. And what that is, if you're not familiar with it, is this giant building in downtown Atlanta with 15 floors of just showroom after showroom after showroom. And I was there modeling for Giovanni, the prom designer. And that was on like floor 10, but on floors one through five were all of the boutique clothing apparel lines. And so whenever I would go on my breaks, I would throw on my robe and my slippers and I would run down to those floors and go and see what all of the new trends would be for the upcoming seasons. And I just found it so much fun and so fascinating. But while I was there, I was seeing all of these young women shopping as buyers for big companies or as buyers for their own businesses. And I would see women of all different ages, races, backgrounds, women holding babies, so many different types of women. And I was really inspired. Oh, wait, how old were you? I was 20. Okay. Okay. (laughs) That is so cool. Um, Yeah. it, It was really inspiring to me because I saw all these women and I was like, okay, if they can do it, why can't I? And so I went back home And I pitched the idea to my family because my family's involved in everything that I do in life. We're very close. I grew up very Italian, so family's everything to us. And I really wanted their help. I knew that I couldn't do this necessarily on my own to start out. So my both of my parents, they met in retail. Their entire career lives have been in retail and fashion. And my brother's a software engineer. So I sat them all down and I was like, hey, I have this crazy idea of starting an online women's clothing boutique, because that is something that I can do on my own time. I can do it out of the house. If I have a sick day, that's cool. I can even work in bed. And they thought I was crazy at first, but once they started thinking about it, they thought that it was a really good option. And I wanted their expertise and their help. So we all kind of sat down, figured out how we could do it. We launched my website called whiteelephant.com, spelled W-I-G-H-T, on October 3rd of 2016. And now after starting this out of basically my basement in my house, four years later, I have two storefronts in Western Pennsylvania and a worldwide online presence. Ah, that is so (laughs) amazing. That is so, so crazy. When you told me earlier, you were like, I started out of my dorm room and then out of my parents' basement and then I did pop-ups and then now I have a storefront. I was like, wait, 
How old are you? That's so much. And you're 24. That's like some people's lifelong dream to do all of that. Seriously. And it just sounds like... I feel really blessed. That's incredible. Well, I mean, yes, it's a blessing. It's definitely a blessing. But it's also... I mean, that's hard work. That's hard work. And you chasing it and you deciding like, hey, why can't I just do this? Like, I should just do this. What's holding me from doing that, you know? So being a business owner, like what are some of the things that you've learned from being a business owner this young? I mean, I can't imagine that's easy. It's definitely not easy. No, I've become an expert multitasker for sure. Because when you're running your own business, I mean, you are the business. You're doing every part of it. You have to learn every single aspect of your business and, you know, execute it correctly (laughs) for your business to survive. I mean, now I'm the buyer, I'm the marketer, I'm the social media manager. I, you know, help run the stores, style the customers, go on all the buying trips, hire, fire sometimes. I (laughs) I do it all. And, and that's what, you know, I really attribute to dealing with those health conditions growing up, that perseverance that I had to have and that determination to overcome and really have a normal life. I think I developed that perseverance dealing with those conditions. And so I really brought that into my career and wanting to succeed with this business. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. I can directly relate just because like whenever I first commissioned in the Navy and then I was on a ship, I decided to pursue photography and I started my photography business. So I had a photography business. It was so fun, pretty strong for about four years. And I don't do as much of it anymore just because it is a lot of work. Like you just said, like your, your own social media manager and marketer and bookkeeper and, you know, email responder. Like it's just, Oh my God. Emails are just so much. Yeah, it's just a lot of work. And then when you can't give it like the full 100%, like that's where I felt like I needed to step away from it because as a photographer, it's not just taking a couple cute pictures and that's it. Like for you, it's not just picking out a couple cute outfits and that's it. Like there's a whole business aspect behind it. But what I loved is what I learned from the Navy and the discipline that transferred into my business that went hand in hand. So it wasn't like I was completely foreign to the idea of being determined and disciplined, those really went with each other. And then what I learned from being a business owner and entrepreneur directly related to my career now in Navy recruiting as well, like the social media managing and like the marketing, just involving yourself in those different things. You learn a ton. It's a ton of responsibility. So it's scary. It's a lot of work, but it's not impossible That's what people think. Like, they're like, I can never own a business or I can never do that. But like, it's not the scariest, most intimidating, most horrible thing in the world. Like, it's definitely possible. How do you even get started? For any listeners out there who are thinking about getting started or, you know, see your journey as an inspiration, what are some tips that you have for them to even begin? You know, what did you do? Well, I did write down five different tips, but this is a tip that I did not write down yet. But one thing to keep in mind when you are starting out is to have a clear goal and a clear vision of what you want to do, because that's so important for just 
being able to know where you want to move going forward, knowing where to even start. So have that clear goal and that clear vision. But once you do have that, one of my main tips, and it's really a phrase that I keep in the back of my mind pretty much every day in all aspects of life. And it's the saying that comparison is the thief of joy. That's something that I had to learn throughout this entire I love process. It. <laughs> yeah. In pageantry too. But in this business, I mean, when I was starting out, I think I did new arrivals like once a month and it would be maybe two outfits, two pieces once a month, which is so tough. And especially when you're starting out just really marketing to family and friends and trying to get your name out there online, when there's so many other boutiques and so many other people and so many other options for people to shop at. And you really just have to stay focused on yourself. I always caught myself looking at these other boutiques online and and saying, well, look at their stores, look at how successful they are. And the truth is you don't know what's going on behind closed doors. And you also don't know how long they've been in business. So you have to keep in mind that everybody's on their own path and you just have to stay on yours and keep focused on yours. So that's really my number one tip. But my number two tip is to set realistic short-term and long-term goals. It's really easy to say, all right, I am going to, I don't know, sell a million dollars in sales this year, but that's not really a realistic goal. Really look at the numbers, really look at what you're doing. And I mean, this is especially in retail. I'm coming from a retail perspective, but look at what you've been doing and set those realistic goals, but then have long-term goals too. But when you have those short-term goals, even if it's saying that by the end of the year, you want to reach like a thousand followers, a thousand new followers on Instagram or, or something like that, those short-term goals are going to be what make your long-term goals possible. So it's important to have both and focus on both, but keep them realistic. Number three for me is not being afraid to be pushed outside of your comfort zone. That was something that was huge for me because, and it was the scariest thing whenever I was starting out because I was going to have to put myself out there and I could fail. You know, this wasn't really, you know, end game process where I knew I was going to succeed. There were big risks involved financially, socially, (laughs) time-wise. You're not guaranteed to succeed and that's the scary part. Huge commitment. Right. Right. But really in anything in life, you don't grow unless you are pushed outside your comfort zone. And I think that's really important to not be afraid of the unknown and to really be passionate and go for it. And then my fourth tip out of five is that you are going to have bad days, but those bad days make the good days worth it. There are so many days that I was just ready to give it all up and quit. It got too hard. I wasn't seeing the sales, the goals that I had set for myself. And I mean, I hear that from so many different business owners that there more times than they can count on their hands. They've experienced days where they just want to give it all up and quit and go get a quote unquote real job. <laughs> but when you have those bad days and then you have the amazing days, say like when you do a pop up and For me, what was really validating was when I did those pop-ups, I was always the first there to set up and I was always the last to tear down because people just loved our clothing so much and we were so popular that we were always the last to leave. And those days 
made all of the bad ones worth it. And it was even more celebratory because I had experienced the struggle and the hardships that I had. So that's always something to keep in mind that you are going to have bad days, but they make the good days so worth it. Oh, I was just going to say, I always laugh because the day that I, and I've said this before, but the day that I launched White Podcast and I was hoping for like this, like enormous flood of listeners, you know, like I was like, this is it. Like I'm going to be people's choice. Everyone stand aside. And uh, I was like standing by my phone, getting ready to check it, you know, 12 hours after I had launched and I was with my boyfriend and I checked my downloads and it said 11 people had tuned in. And I was like, ah, and I like started crying and I was like, oh my God, no one cared about my podcast. Like, no. And I was so, so sad. But then, you know, I gave it two days. And it was a few hundred and I gave it three days and it was 700 and it was like, it built and it built and it built. And you know what, like it ebbs and it flows and there'll be, you know, episodes that skyrocket in the hundreds and the thousands and the whatever. But regardless, like even now I have to constantly remind myself just like you, like on the bad days and the good days, like for me, it's not about the metrics, but it's about like the one time I get like the messages. When I have someone that DMs me, it's like, your podcast completely uplifted me today. It's just what I needed to hear. And I'm like, yes, that was worth it. You know, and then even if it is 11 people who listen to my podcast, like maybe out of those 11, like there's one in there who's just the one person that I needed to touch that day. So it's worth the good days and the bad days. And it's worth the grind to, you know, uplift people in the smallest or the biggest of ways. So I love that. It makes it totally worth it. Well, that leads really great into my last point, which is just for me, it was really important to trust God and that he has a plan for your life. Because, you know, if you really keep that mindset then those hardships and those struggles and those obstacles, you're going to look at them as challenges and temporary roadblocks in your overall journey. And that's something that I always kept in mind through my my health conditions, uh, through pageantry, and now as a business, that there is a plan for everybody in your life. Everyone's plan is different. Everyone's path in life is different. So you have to keep that in mind but that you are important and there is a plan for your life. So you just have to keep going, keep pushing along and keep that faith. I love that so much. I think 2020, my mantra has been, what is for you will not miss you. Over and over and over, I just tell myself that. And it kind of was like always my life mantra before, but it was like tucked away in the back. And then when I didn't win Miss California USA, that was like the first thing that popped into my mind literally standing on stage, like winning runner up. I was like, what is for you will not miss you. I was like, it was not supposed to be me. I don't know why. And then even like throughout this entire year, you know, whether, you know, whatever it is, there's a plan and it's always the most perfect plan. And we don't know what the plan is. And we don't know why it's supposed to happen. You had no idea why you were supposed to be struggling through those medical issues, but look at the path that it's led to you now. Going to Miss USA, Look at the way that your, you know, your medical history and your your health has cleared and allowed you to become healthy and train and, you know, assist you toward your goal of Miss USA. Like 
you just never know when or how or why, but like there's always a plan and it's not our job to question it. (laughs) No, no, not at all. And even in this year, I mean, there's so many people that feel like, why did I have to win this year? Like with COVID and the pandemic, like why this year? Why couldn't I have won last year when everything was normal? But that's something that really keeps me going is, you know, this is something that is so big that everybody that won this year had to have won for a reason. Like we won this year for a reason. We were meant to be our state title holders during 2020 for a big purpose. We may not know what that purpose is right now, but there absolutely has to be one. And it might be exactly what you said at the very beginning. It might be because you were all meant to be the longest standing title holders in history. And that's who like God wanted to represent the state that long because he knew he could handle it. Because I know a lot of people after 10 months, 11 months, they are like throwing the crown to the next person. They're like, take it, please. But I mean, you guys, a lot of you are going to have the crown for like a year and a half. Even Texas, Texas was crowned in September of 2019. And I think the Texas pageant is until the end of May of 2021. Yeah. So (laughs) it's a long time. Oh, I know. (laughs) Yeah, I just can't even imagine. So, well, I ask every single guest the same question. And I know we've covered a lot here, but you know, whether it's about invisible illnesses or it's running a business or maybe just about being Miss Pennsylvania USA, how do you feel the most misunderstood? I think that currently people assume that when you're a pageant title holder and you're a Miss USA title holder or state title holder, that life is perfect and you have no problems, you have no challenges, but that can't be further from the truth. And I think that we're doing a really good job as a a class of Miss USA showing the real struggles, especially with being a title holder during COVID. And I know that they're really going to highlight that at Miss USA. And I really enjoy and think it's important for us to be able to highlight the struggles that we face in our lives as title holders, because it shows that we're real too. And that you could also be a title holder too. We're not perfect people. I have my health conditions that I've had to deal with and even just struggles as a business owner, a small business owner during COVID. I mean, we had to shut our doors for almost three months, which was a huge, huge challenge. But I think it's really important to know that, you know, no matter what you are going through in life, people all around you all have invisible battles that they're facing, whether it's an invisible illness or just some kind of struggle that they're facing in life. Everybody is going through something. So keep that in mind, but also know that you're not alone. Well, that's a wonderful note. Our queen, Miss Pennsylvania, USA, Victoria Pickett, like the fence. Don't get that wrong. On TV, shout out to Miss USA. Victoria, tell our listeners where they can find you. What are your social media handles and websites? Ooh, yes. Okay. So you can follow my journey at my personal Instagram, which is my name at Victoria underscore Pickett, which is P-I-E-K-U-T. My Miss Pennsylvania Instagram is at Miss P-A-U-S-A. And if you want to follow my boutique, it's at White Elephant. It's spelled W-I-G-H-T and then elephant. And our website is whiteelephant.com. 
Yes, and I'll include those in all the show notes. And everyone obviously shop small. Duh. <laughs> you got to support yes. the small businesses here in 2020, oh, yes. especially. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Victoria. The countdown is on. We're about one month away from Miss USA. Cannot wait. It's going to be November 6th, I believe, or 9th. I can't remember. Prelims are going to be November 6th. And then the finale on FYI is November 9th at 8 p.m. Eastern. Okay, well, we're all sending you the best of vibes. We'll have this episode out beforehand, but best of luck to you. Congratulations, Queen, and we're cheering for you. Woo! Thank you for having me. This was awesome. I really appreciate it. Hey, guys. I hope you loved the episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. I've got another installment of questions with Kelly and I'm going to answer a handful. Thanks so much for your questions. I love answering them and engaging with you guys. So I've got a handful of random questions here. First up, we have interview tips for nervous people. I've done a lot of interviews. So I'd say what helped me with pageantry when it comes to like a personal interview, I'd say have in the back of your mind something that you love about yourself that you want to make sure people know, a personal story about yourself that you would love and you'd want to share, words that describe you and that that have purpose, you know, not just, you know, I'm happy, but why and how. And then also like something you want to make sure that people know about you that you would never want to leave the room without someone knowing. I think just having like those go-to things like for me, for Miss California, USA, it was, you know, U.S. Navy lieutenant, public speaking. My goal was to have a podcast or to do a TED Talk. You know, just like key things there that I wanted to make sure they knew before I ever left the room. Next question, how to use Lightroom? Best way to organize photos, videos on your iPhone to post. So I would say the best way to use Lightroom, I actually, I have it on my laptop and I use that more for photography when I was doing my business. I would use the app. I use the Lightroom app to edit all of my photos for social media. It's super, super easy and the app is free. My favorite filters are from Jackie O. She's one of the hosts from the Morning Toast podcast. I can't remember her Instagram handle. I'm pretty sure it's it's Jackie O problems or Jackie O. But she has really, really cute filters. And I have the pastel pack. You download those right into Lightroom and they're just like really flawless, not like over-edited Lightroom filters, which are super cute. So I recommend those. And then as far as organizing photos, girl, I don't have them organized in any way, shape, or fashion. I should get much better at that for sure. And so I used to have them organized like Navy content, Miss California USA content, podcast content. Now it's like whatever crocodile is closest to the boat. Like that's what I'm posting. That's usually what I've edited the latest and that's what's going up next. So I don't have an exact organizing strategy there in my phone. Navigating difficult conversations with your significant other. Ooh, that's a great question. I've learned a lot about this over the years because I've been in several long 
serious relationships. And, you know, I want to make sure that I'm not like placing blame or attacking someone. And I care about Austin so much. And so I always just want to make sure that when I'm having a difficult conversation with him, he doesn't feel as though I'm immediately attacking him. You know, I usually almost always come from a place of let's hear his perspective first. And it's difficult because especially when you're upset or you're mad, you're like, you need to hear the w- the way I felt about it immediately. But that's not always true. Typically, like they they thought of it totally different. So I'll usually be like, hey, so you know, what was your perspective on that? Or what was your intention when you did X or Y or Z? And when he tells me like, oh, well, my intention was to, you know, do this or do that. I'm like, oh, that is not what I got from that. (laughs) And like, I totally forgot. I totally think you forgot me or I totally thought you forgot my birthday or, you know, whatever it was. Um, but just like trying to hear their thought processes first before getting super upset has really gone a long way. And then like taking a deep breath and not letting yourself go from zero to 60 and like getting really, really angry. But that has helped a ton. And then also just like trying not to place pressure. I've learned through the years that through my wise 28 years, you don't want them to make decisions because you pressured them. Like, I want him to make decisions because they came from him. Like, it was either his idea or he wanted to do it. Or after thinking about it, he was like, oh, yeah. Like, that's definitely something I I didn't think of on my own. But now that you brought it to my attention, that's something I want to do. You know, so I don't want to sit there and be like, you know, do this or else. Or I don't want to tell him 17 million times. Like, I do want it to come from him or be his idea. So I don't like to pressure him. And that definitely came into place whenever we were moving. I didn't pressure him. I planted the seed. He knew I was moving. Came up in conversation, obviously, quite a bit. But I was never like, you need to make a decision about moving or else I'm going to break up with you. You know, like that needed to come from him first. All right. And last question. Have I ever been to France? I have. I've been twice. I went to France in the fifth grade. And then I went last year with Austin and we went to Paris and we had dinner at the Eiffel Tower and it was absolutely amazing. So thanks so much, guys. I hope you love this installment of Questions with Kelly. And let me know if you have questions. Screenshot this episode, tag Misunderstood Podcast or tag at Kelly Renee Hall. And let me know what questions you have or DM me. I'm always available and ready to chat. And maybe your question will be featured next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Misunderstood Podcast. I love hearing from you guys, and I want you to take a screenshot of this episode, tag at misunderstood.podcast on Instagram, and share a takeaway from today's episode. Something you loved, something you wanted more of, whatever it is, it helps me learn what you guys want to hear. Please consider leaving a review on iTunes or Spotify. I want to give a special shout out to my friends at Hatch for producing this episode. If you are looking to launch a podcast or if you already have one, you can get unlimited podcast editing by visiting usehatch.fm. That's usehatch.fm. Thanks so much, guys. Until next week, this is your misunderstood Kelly Hall.